It is now time for Ant and Nick to press play. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, everyone. Hello there. I'm Nick Bowden, as always. And I'm Ant Belton. And welcome to, finally, Ant and Nick Press Play on Crime Traveller Episode 7. Yeah, we do feel a bit out of time. Yes. Out of sorts. But I am glad to be getting on with it with Episode 7. Yeah, I made a lot of promises about this being released sooner than this, but... um, We've had COVID. Yeah. It caught up with us. A bit like Time and Jeff. It, it finally caught us. Oh, horrible. I've also been uh, doing some wedding planning for my wedding later this Yay! year. Well done. So, um, I mean, if you want to tell a bride-to-be that you're prioritising a crime traveller podcast over wedding planning, then good luck to you. But um, I've had to put this to one side for a little bit. <laughs> It was especially annoying, me getting COVID, because it coincided exactly with the Crime Traveller 25th anniversary, which I was planning to put a bit more effort into on Twitter, but I was just like, oh my God, can't even move. Yeah, I mean, I got it after you. Yeah. And you want to get up and move around, but your body just won't let you and it'll just make you stop. I was planning to make some GIFs and best bits of the episode and all that kind of thing, but no. However, I did manage to do a tweet with certain cast members and Anthony Horowitz himself tagged in, which seemed to go down quite well. Yeah, very good response there, wasn't it? And I kind of thought, have they listened? Because the curiosity in me would be, should I listen to this show that is primarily only discussing crime travel and that's far? <laughs> oh, uh, obviously, The Vanishing Man as well, which is yeah. also his. So which you think also, he would have a, a, yeah. a slight inclination to, to listen, but alas, we'll never know. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, so I put this thing out. I tagged Anthony Horowitz, Richard Dempsey, Paul Trussell, Jack Chiswick, who plays Frank, and Carnival Films, who made it. Because none of the other cast members are on Twitter, so I thought, oh, that's the best I can do. Now, I should have tagged Anne Dudley as well, who did the music, but I I did a separate tweet for her. Then Richard Dempsey responded, Anthony Horowitz responded. Yeah. Eventually, Paul Trussell responded as well. Anthony Horowitz said, uh, next year they're having the 24th anniversary. Clever. Now, somebody sort of hijacked my tweet a little bit and did their own tweet with all the same people in it tagged. And I thought, well, they wouldn't know about Jack Chiswick, would they really? (laughs) (laughs) Who, by the way, hasn't responded yet. So when he logs back in, he's going to be quite (laughs) confused, I think. Yeah, and then I thought, "Mm." and then I clicked on their little thing about it, their little blog post. And it basically just said, oh, yeah, this was released on this day kind of thing. Um, And then said, I haven't seen it myself. (laughs) I was like, well, then. So, of course, a lot of some of the responses were to that one, and I was like, you. Yeah, and quite frankly, if you haven't watched Crime Traveller, what are you waiting for? Exactly. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so (laughs) we got a new follower at Dory Clara Eliza who. (laughs) started trying to arrange a sort of podcast meeting. (laughs) I mean, that's madness, isn't it? Between. Anthony Horowitz, Richard Dempsey, and us. <laughs> Just going, podcast reunion episode. <laughs> I'm up for it. Yeah, well, Richard Dempsey liked it. Yeah. So then I was thinking, that could actually happen, couldn't it now? Yeah. 
Exactly right. I mean, if you've got sight of them, it'd be lovely to speak to Anthony Horowitz. Yeah. It'd be lovely to speak to Richard Dempsey and Jack Chiswick. Yeah, especially Jack Chiswick. I want to know what he's up to. Um, yeah, it was good getting the ball rolling a little bit, people talking about it. However, I wasn't as successful as the film crowd who do watch-alongs of various things and they were getting their way through Crime Traveller, which is a shame. I was out that night. I could just see it all unfurling and everyone was like, you know, pressing play at the same time. And then I was like, Ugh. but it warmed my heart because there was a lot of people. This is what we need. You see, have your opinions on it. Like it, hate it. Just talk about it. So I was glad because it was the most I'd ever seen anyone talk about crime travel. <laughs> the most people I'd ever seen. And I could spot exactly which bits they were up to. <laughs> As well, <laughs> yeah, and and we've had this conversation before. There's a bit of a stigma surrounding crime traveller, um, yeah, and and well, I mean, there's enough to discuss and talk about, and if you watch it in the right spirit, it's fantastic. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's no worse than a lot of you know. I mean, the the amount of crap that Doctor Who fans or whatever forgive. Yeah, exactly. It's no worse than Jodie Jodie Whittaker's run. Well, no, I mean, in some ways, but. You know, yeah, it had its problems, but that's why you get a second series of things. Find out what went right, what went wrong. Exactly. You iron that out. Kill Nicky off in episode one, that kind of thing. I also tweeted about the 25th anniversary of The Vanishing Man as well. So yeah, I got a little response from Anthony about that as well. That's good. So I said, happy anniversary, and he said, missed this so long ago. 25 years to be exact. So it wasn't a fever dream, and he's admitting that it happened. So where's the bloody Blu-ray, mate? The... (laughs) I mean, it would have been great if he'd just gone, what's this? <laughs> what was this? Yeah, Never exactly. Well, I think you're wrong. Who? Yeah, I did, on that tweet, I did a little link to the podcast because I thought, you know, if he sees that we've done a podcast about it, he might be quite impressed by that. But um, who knows? I even put a link as to where he could watch it online. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know he doesn't own it. Um, oh, yeah, we also had on Facebook, and which I've not been keeping on top of, really, Soz, everyone. But yeah, we got we just got some comments from a couple of ladies. Oh, hello, ladies. One of which was recommending the podcast to her friend. Well, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to Vicky Rainbow and her friend, uh, Nicola Jean. Wow, what a name. That's a lovely name. Yeah. Isn't it? Is that data protection? I don't know. So um, yeah, just saying that it was hilarious. Laughed all the way through. I was waiting a little bit because I thought, are they talking about the episode of Crime Traveller or us specifically? But then it does say podcast. Listen to the podcast. It's brilliant. Um, so yeah, thank you for that, Vicky and uh, Nicola. We think you're brilliant as well. And uh, hope you see this episode and carry on listening to the next two and beyond. Well, I imagine people are waiting quite impatiently for this uh, next episode, yeah. to be honest. So I think think we better get on with it. Rich Goodwin, who we've mentioned before, um, tweeted to say, like, is it coming out? Because <laughs> I'd written something about Crime Traveller. Does this oh, does this mean it's coming out? I went, yeah, soon. And that was like about 14 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's nothing worse, is there, than when your favourite podcast no. just disappears off your, your podcast list. Yeah, when you just keep refreshing, keep refreshing. And it's not there. I mean, we, we had that with the Goodnight Sweetheart podcast. Yeah. Mate, rest in peace. But Goodnight that was, Sweetcast. Yeah, that was fantastic. And, and it just stopped. Um, it stopped. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, um, after all that info, oh my God, let's get on to the episode in question, which is... It is, of course, called Jeff Slade and the Lottery Experiment. (laughs) And it was broadcast on the 12th of April, 
1997. Yes. I'm going to say this right here, right now. This is my favourite episode of the whole series. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, still listen to next week's, everyone. But (laughs) it doesn't get better than this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am tending to agree. So I'm looking forward to discussing it and us going through it. But it's also Anthony Horowitz's favourite episode. Yeah, it's brilliant. And in fact, he talks about it in an interview, which I might cut in now. One of my favourite stories uh, in the series and in my television writing is the one in which uh, Chloe Annette tries to tell Michael French the lottery numbers. It's an episode, I think, which just makes me smile because, of course, everything goes completely wrong despite the fact that they can travel back in time. Everything goes wrong and the message never gets quite across. At the same time in that story, there's a bank robbery going on and uh, basically the puzzle is how do a number of gold bars disappear into thin air? And it always occurs to me that that one episode, one hour of television, has got two such strong and original stories going head to head uh, that, that it's almost, it's almost spoilt uh, as an episode uh, by, by, by two such strong thoughts in one episode. And it's one of the favourite storylines I ever wrote. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this one. Let's get on with it then. So here we go. Let's press play on the lottery experiment. Boom! Um, so we open with lovely Holly fixing up the um the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, it's very doctory. Very Tom Baker lying on his back <laughs> under the console. All bleepy bloopy machinery. Yeah, she does a lot of fixing of this machine. It's not particularly stable, is it? And expensive as well and that plays into this episode of how much money it's costing her again yeah i like the fact that this machine needs constant maintenance and i especially like this sort of lone person dealing with it all on their own so she's reading these handwritten instructions um which presumably are her dad's instructions which he's left which we've never seen before i don't want to keep bringing this back to doctor who but (laughs) it's like the journal of impossible things just scrawled scribbled illegible (laughs) but it's good so yeah, she's uh, she pulls out this sort of pyramid thing and uh, follows yeah. the instructions on exactly how to tilt it and the optimum angle and all that kind of thing. Meanwhile, Jeff has come round. Jeff turns up with a little bunch of flowers that looks like he's nicked them off a grave or something. Yeah, he probably has, hasn't he? Probably by that park bench he woke up on. Um, <laughs> Danny is there, obviously, because he's in his corridor. Yeah. He lets Jeff in. Great to see you, Jeff. Oh, hello. Hey, Jeff. Hello. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd be back. <laughs> Bad penny, huh? <laughs> so you took my advice? What's that? The flowers. They're there for Holly. Well, they're certainly not for you. <laughs> right idea, wrong flower. She hates carnations. Oh, does she? How do you know that? Who do you think empties the bins? <laughs> <laughs> Here, we can do better than this. Weird. Yeah, a lot of men are sending them. She's throwing them away. And does she throw them away immediately? Maybe Danny hands, maybe goes, oh, Holly, Holly, I've got some flowers for you. They've been left. And she goes, in the bin. <laughs> and listen, if he's going through the bins, he's probably looking through the windows, yeah. if I'm being honest. <laughs> he's probably got his own key cut, mm. lets himself in. Sniffs her pants. All sorts. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? There's an interesting line. Um, I know he's got a slight speech impediment, but he seems to be very over the top in this. <laughs> it's ramped up to 11. <laughs> yeah. He's almost fagin. Indeed. Right idea, wrong flowers. 
<laughs> anyway, no, but he says, um, he goes, come on, we can do better than this. And I like that, yeah. the we. I think he's thinking, oh, I remember those days when I was a youngster. And I, yeah, really nice. This is a fantastic bit of character development. I think he assumes that they're a couple anyway, or there's something going on. Yes. You can see a little romance that no one else, including the audience, can see. <laughs> and I think he just wants to help out, just man to man or as a friend. I'm your wingman, you know, we're buddying up. Let's steal some flowers. I like it. But Holly's not the only one in Sundown Court who gets attention yeah. because Mrs. Hazeldean in number 23 has also got some flowers. Take these. Oh, wow. They're for Mrs. Hazeldean in 23. Delivered yesterday, but she's in Paris till next week. She'll never know the difference. Thanks very much, Danny. <laughs> yeah, we've got the nick of flower or two, boy. <laughs> you've got the nick of flower or two. <laughs> Yeah, so Jeff's got a big, nice bunch of lovely roses now, instead. Hey, in the background of Danny's little den, there's some kind of sombrero. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it. No. But he's got a little sombrero hung up, and he's got little ornaments and stuff. And in this one, you can see there's like a vintage pin-up girl, like 1950s. Ooh. <laughs> Black and white in the background. So I don't know what that's all about, saucy. I mean, it does remind me a bit of a carry-on character, doesn't he? That would be his sort of, uh, ooh, matron! (laughs) You know, that's the way Daddy would be. (laughs) Yeah, holding the carnations and then... (laughs) (laughs) Just drooping. Anyway, bye, Danny. Um, (laughs) Bye. So Slade knocks on Holly's door, and Holly answers it, looking very nice, doesn't she? Oh, she does, yeah, I thought that. I don't think she looks as dated. I think that's what it is. She's got a bit more of a friend's vibe, hasn't she? If that makes sense. Um, she's quite casual. She's got her hair up, but just, yeah. Yeah. But she can see through Slade already. Hi. This is a surprise. What is it this time? Someone's been murdered. Crown jewels have been stolen. Break in at Buckingham Palace. Whatever it is, the answer's no. I just came to say sorry. Oh. Come in. I've only just noticed she's in number 67, flat number 67. Now, Mrs. Hazeldean was in number 23. Mm. <laughs> so how many... How many? F- it doesn't look that big, does it? <laughs> no. I know it's a big, like, London four-storey house, but, but to have... <laughs> I think there's further anomalies going on in that building that Danny's not letting us in on. Hmm. Very weird. So I don't know about that, but Holly answers. She's not expected him. <laughs> she, he hasn't checked with Holly first whether she's in. No. I mean, I would have assumed that she would have just slammed the door on him, but she seems kind of pleased to see him. And she definitely seems pleased looking at those flowers. She's overcome by these flowers immediately, invites him in. She's got a little grin on her face. He's got a massive smirk on his face. (laughs) Rubbing his hands together, clicking his heels. Oh, yeah, she loves these roses. And she's like, oh, all's forgiven. Considering the last episode, she was absolutely furious. Exactly, yeah, she was furious and and upset and hurt and betrayed. Um, Unless that's what roses do. I wouldn't know, so (laughs) there we are. Anyway, Holly's arranging them and making them look nice. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, I can't. Oh, amazing. He's like, oh, it's the least I can do. After all, I've solved five cases thanks to you. Mm. Nah. 
is that right? Because I was like, well, episode seven. I mean, there must be some sort of anomaly there where he's not counting one of them. Yeah. So we've got the demon headmaster suicide. Yeah. We've got Mary Tam wine poisoning. Yeah. Sonia Duvet's insurance scam. That's three. Yeah. Art murder. That's the one that I'm thinking might not count. Yes. So because he wasn't involved in it, really, he didn't solve it. Jeff didn't travel for that. But yeah. It... I'm, I'm maybe not count the art murder. Okay. We've got Jack Slade and the Bag of Beads yeah. as four, let's say. We've got the bank robbery when he dressed up. Yeah. And then we've got Yes Minister. So that's six, possibly seven if you count the art murder. So where's this five come from? What, what, what is he counting and not counting? Never mind. Um, I'm glad we've worked that out. I think Anthony Horowitz may have counted them in terms of episodes and discounted the art murder, but forgot about the bank robbery because it was a throwaway scene. Oh, yes. So he's just... Yes. That's my little theory on that. Yeah, because they're not the main ones of the, the crux yeah. of the story. Exactly. Yeah, even though he has effectively solved... Yeah. Well, and also, actually, one that I've just forgotten about, Holly solved the um, Mansion House murders with Silverman in episode one, didn't she? With time travel. Yeah. Which Jeff took the credit for, so... Yeah, he could have... He should have just said, loads. <laughs> I've solved loads of cases, thanks to you. Yeah, and it... I mean, doing that limits, you know, uh, any sort of... Fan fiction. Exactly, exactly. Also, I thought that last episode, there was the implication that they'd done more in the interim, like the whole Woolworth um, robbery. (laughs) um, (laughs) They were making it out like there was all these other adventures as well. So pick one. I mean, it's not stopped Doctor Who people cramming adventures into the space between one scene or something. I'm sure you could put it in between the last episode and the rest of time. (laughs) Well, there we are. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. There's more than five, anyway. Um, so, there's a note inside these flowers, isn't there? Yes, he, there's a lovely note in there that Jeff has not left. Because these, <laughs> these flowers are definitely stolen. Yeah. To the kindest, sweetest girl in Sundown Court. Always yours. Doesn't sound like you. Well, I do have a gentle side. Why have you signed it Pumpkin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me, Pumpkin Slade. <laughs> Which Holly's very confused about. It doesn't get explained, does it? it no, it doesn't. It just cuts. <laughs> the scene just cuts. He just goes, ow, oh, well. Pumpkin. <laughs> so, no, it's obviously not that much of a problem because it cuts to Jeff reclining. They're just on the couch. Both got some red wine there's some classical music in the background. It's all very... They do that a lot. I'm sure I've seen that before where they sort of cuddle up, don't they? And Jeff puts his head on her legs and things like that. Weird. They've both had quite boring days, haven't they? Holly had a lecture where she was lecturing. She had a lecture that got cancelled. And mm. Jeff was at a stress counselling seminar thing all day. <laughs> Oh my god. When I think of how Jeff would have reacted to that. Seven hours on stress counselling. By the end of it, most of us were in need of some. <laughs> um, there was another reason I popped over, actually. You know, just for a minute, I thought you came no, over no, no, just. No, 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 I don't mean that sort of thing. Quite the opposite. In fact, for once, I think I can help you. He's clearly got a reason for coming around, and he says that there's an ulterior motive. Of course, because you are Jeff Slade. You can never be sincere about anything. Yeah, so he's like, oh, quick, what time is it? Right, turn this off, turn the telly on. Cut to 
the lottery, sort of. <laughs> yeah, not the not the best version of it, is it? No, and it's a weird thing. The lottery that they show, bearing in mind it's just been on for real on BBC, isn't the same lottery. And that was not the voice of the balls. <laughs> no, it's not got the music, not got the voiceover, not anything like that. And it's a shame. I guess it's because the lottery isn't owned by the BBC. Yes. So there's a lot of copyright trademarks that they probably couldn't get away with. But it would have been really nice to have like a Dale Winton cameo or something like that, you know. I was going to say, yeah, it could have Dale Winton or whoever it would have been around that time. Nowadays, they might have been able to do it. You would have at least got like maybe a real celebrity doing a cameo, which would have been nice. Happened in Doctor Who a few times, hasn't it, in recent years? Um... You know what? The lottery's changed a lot. I don't really play it. I play it about once every 10 years and then Mm. don't win anything and then just never, you know, don't do it again. And I don't know anyone else that's really won anything, either syndicates or individuals or anything. And so I've sort of missed these changes. One, there's about 8 million different games now in the different ones. But I couldn't tell you off the top of my head when it stopped being a TV show. (laughs) It's not on anymore, is it? No, it it, it moved about a bit, didn't it? It came off the BBC, didn't it? And went to like just a a weird update in between Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway. Um, Because when it started, the whole show was based around the lottery, wasn't it? And they were talking about all the different balls and all the machines and what they'd spend the money on and somebody singing a song i blame is it nick knowles i blame him oh, yeah. i think he killed it oh did he do one of the quiz shows that they sort of integrated yeah he with? did anything he touches he kills it <laughs> uh, hey i'm sure he's a lovely guy but let me tell you anything he's ever on it's a death <laughs> sentence <laughs> something else i didn't realize about the lottery until recently is that they've added another 10 numbers so it goes up to 60 okay. now doesn't it or something like as if it was too easy to win previously <laughs> Yeah, that's mad. That's just ridiculous, isn't it? So now they've got all the 50s as well, which, no spoilers, but would have come in very handy Mm. in this plot if you could have used some 50s. But never mind. So, Jeff doesn't explain his plan. He just turns on the lottery and goes... And he writes down the numbers, which are... 8, 12, 11... Number 22, making its 7th appearance this year... Another low number, it's a sixth, third appearance, second week in a row. And the sixth ball is... One! It's been five weeks since we last saw it, but it's actually been 23 times since the lottery. Have you won anything? No, I haven't even entered yet. That's the point. Why don't I enter now? Oh, so that's what this is all about, is it? You mean, go back in time? Yeah, I need an hour. Enough time to get to the newsagents. I it. thought we'd been through all this. I can't believe he's trying this again. I don't think Holly can believe that he's trying this again either. Yeah, because as we remember, in episode one, he went and put a bet on in the past with an outcome that he knew. And then when he got back to the present, that information on the ticket disappeared. Yeah. And that was that set in stone. But he's been working out a way around this. I mean, that's the difference with Slade and Holly, is that Holly would maybe read in her dad's notes, can't change time, this, and she would go, right, that's it, can't do that. Whereas Slade, because he's always trying to cheat the system and time, he's thought it through further than Hollywood. Thought outside the box, he's thought of a way of doing it. And actually, fair play to him. In theory, it's a good plan. But as we said, time plays tricks. I think even as a viewer, we know... Jeff, this isn't going to work, mate. (laughs) But he's going to give it a shot. And Jeff seems pretty confident that it will work. And what is his amazing plan, then? I use the machine to go back. I tell you the numbers. You place the bet. And you collect the money. Where's the paradox in that? 
It won't work. Why? Because if I'd won the lottery just now, I'd know about it, wouldn't I? I'd have a ticket. Well, how do you know you haven't got one? Could be in your desk. Don't remember putting one there. For that matter, I don't remember seeing you today at all. That's because I haven't time travelled yet. Look, I go back. I tell you the numbers and you buy the ticket. When I get back, you'll still have it. It can't fade away because I didn't buy it. So, yeah, Holly's right in saying she would have seen the ticket or she would have at least seen Jeff. She says she hasn't seen Jeff all day, but he's like, oh. Actually, what he says is, that's because I haven't time-travelled yet. <laughs> but, Jeff... Even though we know... We know that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. That everything that you've done in the past has already happened already. Jeff, think. <sighs> so, it, basically, it hasn't worked. However, they push on. <laughs> <laughs> they do it anyway. Jeff convinces her, making it about a scientific study. Test the experiment. And yeah, as soon as he says that, she's into it. She loves the word experiment. I, I think um, he realises that Holly's never even tried with this. She tells him she thinks it's cheating. But Jeff's got a nice line, actually, where he says, It's not cheating. In an ideal world, you'd get lottery funding anyway. Yeah, there's also a line about the machine might only give you a few minutes, knows what you're up to. Yeah. She's convinced that time has got the better of him and knows what he's doing. That's an interesting little concept that time already knows. But by God, does Jeff fight against time? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, he, he really does. He goes, he goes against it every step of the way and it fights back. <laughs> so Holly, yeah, Holly concedes and Slade is sent back on a lone mission. I mean, it's all very quick, isn't it? It's all very quickly done. Yeah. Straight to the machine. She trusts him to know what he's doing. Even though, last week, he lost the watch. I mean, she could have gone back and just hid, couldn't she? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she trusts him. All is forgiven. Go back and win us six or seven million pounds, he says. It could be. Do you know what? Tonight's jackpot is 7.5 million. So how does that work out? <laughs> 25 years later and it's only half a million more. <laughs> There's a brilliant line which completely sums up their characters. It won't work. It can't fail. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> which has been their exact point of view throughout the whole series. Yep, that is them. That should have been in the trailer, shouldn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> it won't work. It can't fail. Crime traveller. <laughs> so Jeff goes back and he memorises these numbers... And then it's nice, we actually get a slightly different perspective this time. We see mm. the inside of the room changing, the flowers sort of disappear, the paper disappears, it resets to how it was, mm. um, which is cool. And he's arrived. Brilliant. He finds out he's got, um, did he say 12 hours, was it, that he has? Yeah, so it's seven in the morning or whatever it is. Good time, good time. Just to, All he's got to do is, is get the lottery ticket. Easy. So he writes the numbers down again now out of interest these numbers i did a search to see um how often these numbers have actually or would have won in mm -hmm. real life so they're not brilliant there's been 32 three ball wins okay. since it started <laughs> the biggest win has been 26 pounds in 2005 but yeah if okay. you played them every single week since the beginning of the lottery you would have got 451 pound in winnings um you would have spent 2920 pounds it says which is not worth it so slade comes out 
and then knocks on Holly's door. Holly, who doesn't know he's in the house. Good morning. This is your £7 million wake-up call. Holly. Come on, wake up, it's me. Even though he knows that Holly's not seen him all day. So, wake up, Jeff, mate. I know, I know. Well, as I said before, it's because I'm not time to... No. So, yeah, she's not in, obviously. Uh, oh, we see her bedroom for the first time. Yeah. We see very briefly. It's very classy. But, yeah, it's nice. So, Jeff goes downstairs and sees Danny vacuuming. Danny from the past. Yeah. He says, oh, you just missed her. She's just driven away. And Candace says, oh, what's up? Have you had an argument? Yeah. Danny not only thinks that they're a couple, but the fact that they've um, left at separate times and he doesn't know where Holly is implies that there's been an argument, a bit of a lover's tiff, which he wants to get involved in. Because he goes, oh, no, no, no. He goes, oh, well, you have just come from a flat, haven't you? And this is where Danny says you should buy her flowers. And then we get Jeff having a sly smile. (laughs) So Jeff makes his way back to the police station. Just stay away from work. He loves it, doesn't he? Um, just phone her. <laughs> just phone her from her own flat. Or something. He goes in without any care in the world as well. He's like, ah, 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 ah. Holly's not there either. And we see the return of Frank. Oh, hello, everybody. That's obviously not how he speaks. <laughs> now I realise. <laughs> Hi. Aren't you supposed to be on a training course today? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just leaving. Um, has Holly arrived yet? Not yet. She usually stops off for a coffee. Well, she should be in in a minute. Okay, fine. He should have known that. I mean, they've hung around enough, surely. Frank knows. So instead of just biding his time and waiting for her to arrive, he goes into her office. And he writes the numbers on the whiteboard. Perfect. It's got a bit of scientific formula on it already. So as he's doing that, our favourite trio arrive. Grisham and the gang barge in. She wants to know what Jeff's doing there because he should be at this training, and it's going to start in a minute. I mean, they're not questioning what happened last week, are they? Or about the two slates? Because that would be <laughs> no. in my mind. I'm going, well, you should be somewhere else, and you're here. Of course. Maybe something isn't right. But no, we skim over that a little bit. That's fine. That's fine. We've forgotten. We've moved on. We've slept on it. <laughs> Slate? Chief. I thought I sent you on that stress course. Yeah, I'm, I'm just leaving now. Yeah. It's already begun. What are you doing here? It doesn't matter. I'm cancelling it. Oh. I need you on a case. Something's come up. Oh, right. Um, can I just leave a message for Holly? What about? Numbers. Numbers? What numbers? Chemical numbers. It's a formula, you know. It's to do with the Morelli case. We arrested Morelli weeks ago. Yeah, well, I think we might have the wrong man. He turned himself in. Forget it, Slade. I need you now. What, right now? Right now. So... This is good. It's one of those sort of scenes that's frustrating because you think this wouldn't play out like this in real life, but it has to play out like this dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> in that he's just so close to writing Play the Lottery, <laughs> but he only gets as far as PLA. <laughs> PLA. PLA. Numbers. PLA. And he's got to go. <laughs> Grisham just looks at it just going, what on earth is he doing? So Slade heads off. They go out into the police station car park and Grisham explains that they are after a man called Sissons. Sissons. Mickey Sissons. He's done loads of robberies that they can't pin on him, but they've got a tip-off. 
This morning, they took possession of 30 bars of gold bullion, 99.9% pure, and it's going out tonight. Too much of a temptation. Exactly. It's just the sort of job that would appeal to Sissons and the perfect opportunity for us. I want him and we're going to get him. Get in! I mean, I felt bad for him here because he's just done a 12-hour day. He's then yeah. travelled back thinking it'd just be an hour <laughs> and now he's got to do another 12-hour day. He's not slept. <laughs> of course he's not. He's literally come off. Yeah, yeah. He's na- going to be knackered. Working practices. This is not okay for him. Oh he's going to be so tired. Yeah. Oh, dear. So... Just as they're leaving for this, <laughs> Slade sees Holly in a car driving around. <laughs> so Jeff just sees her out of the back of the window. Just Holly, Holly! He just starts screaming. <laughs> Holly! Holly! Holly, pla! <laughs> pla! Pla! <laughs> she can't hear you, Jeff. You're in a car, mate. Um, oh, but no. Just... So this is already clever. We can see there's going to be a lot of this coming out. So, but there's, there's a lot of this throughout the whole episode. It's actually quite nice, isn't it? It's quite nice. So then they go to this deposit company. Jeff says from the outside, he goes, funny looking bank. But I think it's not a bank, is it? Is it? I mean, this looks more like a hotel that has a security deposit box in it, doesn't it? Uh, or just a big safe. I mean, it, yeah, Jeff's quite right. It's not like any bank that a normal person uses. But I suppose not many of us have three million pounds. No. Of gold. Gold bullion. And now we meet Marcus Ducan. Ducan? Oh, I've not got who the actor is for this. I do have his name, and it's an interesting name. Gorn Granger. Ah. Yes, he is a British stage and screen actor, mm. and he's also the husband of actress Zoe Wanamaker. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah, he's really good, isn't he? I thought, yeah. strong performance, fantastic. Uh, but Gorn, I think Gorn's a very interesting and nice name, to be honest. The current market value is $400 an ounce. So collectively, the bars are worth $4,800,000, which is a little less than £3 million sterling. So he's the managing director of his own company, Marcus Dukan. Dukan. So he's saying that they've got 30 bars of gold, which are worth $400 an ounce. Yeah. So today, literally today, because there's a website that updates every five seconds to tell you how much gold is. So this is probably already out of date. Mm-hmm. Certainly will be by the time it comes out. But today's price is mm-hmm. $1,811.91 per ounce. Whoa. So that's nearly quadrupled in price. Yeah. So yeah, 30 bars would come to $21,742,920, which works out at £17,741,880. That is a massive increase. I mean, to be honest, I would have been happy with three. Um, not going to moan. That'll do. Thank you. Now, interestingly, when we last recorded this episode, um, the the price has changed. Not too considerably just per ounce, but when you add it all together, we've lost £2 million on that already. Yeah, that's... Uh... I've got a gold tooth. That's a molar as well. It's a big one. So how much do you think that's worth? Well, take it out. Find out. Uh-huh. Get it melted. So, yeah. While he's saying this about how much this gold is worth, Jeff's hand just comes into frame <laughs> and steals a lump of gold off the desk. <laughs> Without asking, no yeah. care. I mean, it's, it's just like, whatever, mate. And he's playing with them. Yeah, just, I mean, at least he's not chucking him around or something. But yeah, so basically what Decan is doing... Decan. Is, 
what he can do is assist in the change of ownership. So they're just mm. the middlemen. But Dukan's like, we've got to move it because this is now a risk security-wise. But Grisham's got a plan to keep it as bait to lure him in. Sissons is a very big fish, Mr. Dukan. We may never get another opportunity like this. Opportunity? You're talking about three million pounds worth of gold, not to mention the safety of my staff. There'll be no danger. You have my word on it. My officers will be watching throughout the day. And if you're wrong? Then I personally shall take full responsibility. <sighs> Famous last words, Grisham. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last words. She's saying that with Jeff in the room. I mean, yeah. that is what is going to go wrong. Jeff. Jeff. I was like, oh no, she's in trouble. Jeff is not at his best at the moment, is he? No. He's trying to figure out a way to contact Holly, phone, pigeon, <laughs> donkey, elephant. <laughs> It's, it makes for a fun episode. Just before the scene ends, Jeff asks if this lump of gold metal in his hand is real. Is this real? No. It's iron pyrite. Fool's gold. You f- fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as in, the people who think that is real gold are fools, and you've just asked if it's real. <laughs> fool's gold. But it reminded me of those magazines you could get, remember, that had the little gem stones in them. Oh, yes, I do. Love collecting them. Free binder. Well, for the first first couple, and then you were like, too expensive now. Yeah. (laughs) Not buying that for some granite. (laughs) (laughs) Fool's Gold is the one that always used to come in the first issue, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah, and you used to be like, oh, there's gold. They've got gold in it. Um, before we get to the stakeout, we see Holly entering her office back at the police station. But brilliantly on paper, but not so brilliantly in practice, she's reading a report and not looking and just quite awkwardly rubs out the whiteboard. She wipes it off without even taking a glancing look at the numbers that are left and pla. Pla. I mean, that's really hard to do. I mean, I mean that, that would have took a few takes, yeah. I think. Yeah, do you know what? It was a few takes. Because I've compared it to what Jeff wrote before, and it is different. It's been yeah. reset and rewritten. <laughs> yeah, so that's that gone. Clever, in a way. Um, the dream team uh, are on the stakeout, peering out, watching, waiting, looking at the bank slash hotel where the gold bullion is. Nikki, Morris, and Slade locked in a room. Yeah, you're all right unless um, Morris decides to piss in a bucket. <laughs> um, oh yeah god let's hope there's a toilet Nicky's got a massive pair of binoculars that make him look like a tiny child to be fair everything makes him look tiny doesn't it I mean all his clothes yeah. are too big for him I know he, he has about four layers on doesn't he Morris is actually fine in this episode there's moments where him and Slade are just having a rather normal conversation if it wasn't for the fact that Jeff has his eye on the lottery mm. they would have probably just had quite a nice little chat but Slade's shutting down conversation because he's staring at a phone box across the road. It's the only thing he can think of. I need to make a call. Uh, well, you can borrow my mobile phone if you like. Have you got a mobile? Why didn't you say? Oh, I didn't ask. It's the uh, latest model, actually. 70 hours standby, data compatible, 98 number memory, message capability, Rolls-Royce of mobile phones. 
Nikki has a mobile phone and it's state of the art. And and do you know what mobile phone it is? No, I don't. But have you done? Guess what? Have you done some research? It's yellow. That's all I know. Yeah, really nice yellow number, isn't it? <laughs> I went through Nokia <laughs> websites. <laughs> I looked through the Argos catalogue from 1996. <laughs> okay. And I think I've managed to narrow it down. I do believe it's a Nokia 2110. But the trouble is, I'm having a real hard time hunting down the yellow variant of it. And, and I'd love to see one or find one. And I'm going to see if I, I can. Now, he says in this scene that it's state-of-the-art and it can hold up to 98 names. That makes sense and tallies with this because the day Trav looked up says it can hold up to 99 names. So he's about right. Yeah. But then his line says that it's 70 70 hours standby, right? And I've listened to the line over and over again and he definitely says 70 hours standby. Yeah. And the actual specifications of this phone are 17 hours standby. Oh, right. So, sef- 70 hours. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> so, I think something's happened in translation somewhere. Yeah. But there we are. Well, it's, yeah, it's academic of... anyway because it's got no charge. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Um, he's not charged, <gasps> idiot. Oh. But, okay. When, when Nikki says he forgot to charge it, Jeff does a little smile and like a roll of the eyes as if he's kind of working it out going, oh yeah, do you know Holly said? This is time, you know. Yeah, he is. Putting obstacles in the way. He's already thinking, this ain't going to work. I, I am being defeated here. I am 18 hours into a 12-hour shift. <laughs> I'm forbidden from leaving this room. <laughs> With these two dicks. Mm. We cut back to Dukan. Dukan. We see a man go downstairs into the secure area, which doesn't look that secure. He doesn't have to go through any locks or gates or passes or anything. He's just gone into the stationery cupboard anyway. Yeah, it's a stationery room, isn't it? Get some paper, get some staples. Love it. And we see a a banging on the white wall, don't we? Um, In the stationery room of the bricks. Someone is trying to get in. Oops. Uh, We go back to the stakeout. Morris says that he hates stakeouts. And that he once had a three-week stakeout. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether someone's just locked him in a room for three weeks to get rid of him. I mean, it's a bit... Well, I think <laughs> I think maybe what he means is night after night, you know, for three weeks. But Which can happen. I saw Manhunt, the Night Stalker, with Martin Clunes the other mm-hmm. day. And they were doing a stakeout there night after night. It was really good, Martin Clunes, isn't that? Anyway, we don't get to find out because Jeff just says, shut up. <laughs> It does. And it's really abrupt. It's not even a jokey sort of shut up. It's a Shut really your mouth. Aggressive. Yeah, Morris says he's only trying to make conversation. <laughs> but at that moment, he spies a phone box outside mm. and then decides to just sod the stake out. <laughs> I've just got to go outside. Don't worry about me. The one thing we've been told not to do, just got to do that. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't parkour out the window, to be honest. He hasn't done any of that this episode. Oh, yeah. Could have done that, couldn't they? Hopped across. So he sees, yeah, he sees the phone box, runs across, but he's just beaten to it by an old lady. I have this a lot with um, cash machines. There's nobody about, and then you go there, and then somebody is just one step ahead. Yep, and it's always the same. It's always someone that spends way too long just getting some money out, or they're going to check their, their lifelong history of withdrawing money. And you're like, oh... Yeah, well, Jeff's got one of the worst people to be stuck behind. Yeah, a really slow old lady with loads so- of with loads of ten p's. <laughs> 
for a long conversation. It's good to talk. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really nice piece of history, this scene, because we don't have phone boxes anymore. No. It's just nice to see one. We've had a lot of phone box chat last time, but we didn't talk about these BT boxes, really, did we? No. And I think, um, yeah, it's just nice to see to see one mm. still. Yeah, and those, I can almost... Smell them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But I can feel the like the buttons for the numbers and I and the, the sort of metal shower hose of a cord, you know, going to the receiver. Weird. Uh so she's settling in for a long conversation. But I imagine it'd be fine because don't forget, Slade, you are a police officer. I think he forgets he's a police officer sometimes, to be honest. He doesn't always use that badge. We we see that the bank is now being robbed by some masked men. Uh, oh, yeah, there's a lot of cutting back and forth here, isn't there, between Slade and Dukan. Dukan. So Stephanie, the <laughs> Stephanie, the receptionist, is getting told off because she spelt bullying wrong. <laughs> you can't spell it like that. <laughs> Would you do this again, please, Stephanie? There are two L's in bullion. Your hands on the desk now! And nobody moves! <laughs> If you touch that alarm button, it'll be the last thing you ever do! Don't even think about it. I want the manager. There's a few of them here. Um, they do have names, these men. Uh, well, according to IMDb, which could be wrong, I think they're Bailey, Green and James. <laughs> Solicitors. Yes, they're <laughs> <laughs> Green and James. Um, there's actually a bit of a threat here. They've got massive guns, machine, actual machine guns, aren't they, or something? Are they? I don't know, guns. Yeah, these aren't the ones from the bank robbery last week, are they? No. They point a gun in Stephanie's face. And they've got balaclavas on, obviously, and it's 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 pretty scary, this bit. They want the manager. And it takes Dukan a long time. They pretty much have to put the gun, like, up Stephanie's nose, pretty much, before he goes, Yes, Dukan, see the manager. <laughs> Dukan? Um, but he takes a while, doesn't he? He does take a long time. So he's led down to the secure area to get some more staples. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, Jeff is still waiting. Yeah, this is the thing. She she's not asked about it. She's having a nice time on a call, but he's just loitering around and like circling the phone box, staring in at a private conversation. <sighs> It's a bit predator, isn't it? I know. And then finally, which is what you should have done straight away. Police, I need to use that phone. I'm sorry, Bye. it's really important. Thank you very much indeed. Sorry about this. Oh, don't forget your money, madam. Thank you. Receiver down. There you go. There's your 10 piece. See ya. Bye. Could have done that to begin with. He just never thinks about the power that comes with that badge. So, back to Decan. Decan. They forced Decan to open the safe to the gold. He, he does a lie about it being on a lock timer, but that lie lasts about one second. <laughs> they just don't believe him. It's not your money, is it? Then why die for it? You've got five seconds. Three. Two. That's better. I mean, he thinks about it. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're quite right. Yeah, it's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was weird, this, because the door opens 
and the gold is just like on a little trolley, like a flatbed trolley. Mm. Bit underwhelming, yeah. isn't it? It's just da da. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I've not been in many gold bullion vaults. I don't know. Maybe it is just on a trolley in the middle of a room. I um, thought it'd be like a bit more, maybe boxed up or wrapped or something. And like with any sort of gold bars and stuff, it doesn't look like a lot, does it? You think millions of pounds of gold? No, it's just a few bars, really. Just a few, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they see the gold, and then they knock out Marcus Ducan. So yeah, clonked. Oh, he's out. Whilst Jeff is obviously phoning Polly. But she doesn't pick up because she's out talking to Grisham, or she can't hear. Come on. Come on. Come on. Then she walks in, and as soon as she picks it up, one of the have-a-go heroes in Dukan has pressed the alarm. Hello? So Jeff's got to go, oh, God. So he runs in with everyone else. Jeff's right in there. He's in there quicker than Nicky and Morris are, to be honest, isn't he? What are they doing? What's happening? Let's go, come on. Jeff and everyone run in, and he seems to sort of blend in with the rest of them. Yeah, just kind of jogs in, uh, wants to know where to go. Uh, I've put Clive Dunn in brackets. Somebody goes... Jeff don't care about guns. But by the time they've got down, the gold has gone completely. And whoever's taken it has escaped through a hole in the wall. Bring on the wall! (laughs) Jeff follows, and then there's a nice little kind of underground battle. Yeah. This is also pretty good, because one, there's gunshots fired at him, but also, they lob a grenade at him. Oh, I tell, I tell you about it, this explosion scene, another great one. We're getting a few of them, and this is particularly a fantastic one. Yeah, that explosion happens about a foot from <laughs> Michael French's face, and it is his face this time, it's not the man in the wig. So he, maybe he has been put on afterwards, but looks good. But it gives him enough time to disappear. There's a nice, it's a nice little... I've called it a cave, it's not really, but... Back alley? Yeah, sort of, but enclosed. Yeah, back alley cave. There's a nice bit of, like, Jeff in silhouette running into the blue smoke, like Batman. Exactly. These shots should have been used in the intro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you sell a show. Come on, guys. (laughs) I do like... I know he's like, he doesn't think things through fine. But, like, he doesn't shirk from responsibilities, does he? Like this, like, running after some armed people with no (laughs) safety equipment or weapons, presumably, of his own. Yeah, so this little passageway thing leads to a marketplace, which is full of people. Yeah, I like this bit. They've actually hidden themselves in plain sight. Yep. They've changed their clothes and stuffed all their clothes in the bin. And we get shots of the different people, um, all in different areas of the market. And Jeff is just confused. He doesn't know where it's gone. Mm. And certainly there's no evidence of people lifting 30 bars of gold. He looks pretty upset uh, for the first time in a long time. And then he spots a lady carrying a blue bag. Jeff, and rightly so, thinks, well, that's suspicious. And that bag and that lady get into a car. So Jeff does the natural thing and takes the registration number. Yeah, by saying it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, Slade has got a memory for numbers, as we know from before. So Morris and Nikki are outside the wall that was taken down the previous night. Slade comes in all covered in dust and tells them about this car license plate. What happened to you then? Right, I want you to check out a number plate for me. It's K241KWW. It's a Renault. Why? 
Because I want you to, that's why. Where's the manager, you can? He's in his office. Right. Um, I'll see you in a minute. I need to make a phone call. Another one? What I like about this is at no point does he ever forget that he's got to win the lottery. <laughs> no. <laughs> no matter what's happened, he's just nearly got exploded by a grenade. He's like, so anyway, phone. Where's the phone? <laughs> but the electrician, uh, who is Garth Marenghi's voice, um, says <laughs> the explosion blew the telephone out. So Jeff can't make the phone call. This is good as well. He asks how to get an outside line. But just in the background, you, when he says that, you can hear somebody go, press nine. Anyone tell me I can get an outside line? Press nine. You're not going to get an outside line from there, mate. Well, the explosion in the tunnel has severed the main cable. Phones won't be on for another couple of hours. In the background, on one of the computers, there's a screensaver of the Dukan logo. Dukan. Which we've not seen yet, I don't think. That is bad. It looks like Button Moon. <laughs> it does. It's got a little world in the middle of it, but the writing, it's got like yellow writing that says Dukan. Just like the like rounded like the Button Moon. <laughs> but We've gone to Dukan Moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jeff tries to write a note instead. So he writes this note in quite nice handwriting, actually. Oh, lovely. Big handwriting, though. Big. Doesn't use guidelines, does he? No. <laughs> but it's nice. Holly, play the lottery. Here's the numbers. Love, Slade. Writes good numbers, doesn't he? Kiss, 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 kiss. Love heart, love heart. Clear numbers. And he gives it to Charlie, who we've not ever seen oh. ever before. Oh, Charlie. What a fantastic... Charlie, one of the guys. I don't even know who he is. What a fantastic actor Charlie is. I haven't got his name, but I did look him up. This was the last thing he ever did. Oh, shame. Uh, so Jeff hands him this letter. Can you take this uh, note to Holly at the station? Yeah, certainly. No problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Off he goes, anyway. Then uh, we cut to Dukan. Marcus Dukan. <laughs> Dukan? I hate saying Dukan. It sounds so... It's really Dukan. 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 Um, Dukan. He's blaming the team. He's pissed off. He's got holding a little ice pack to his head. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. He was nearly killed. And the last thing he wants is... At uh, Nicky. I told you. I told you and your chief, Miss Grisham. But you wouldn't listen. And now I've got a terrified workforce, a wall torn down, thousands of pounds worth of damage, not to mention our reputation, and the gold's gone. What have you got to say? Actually, it's Mrs. Grisham. What? She's married. I don't care if she's the Queen of Sheba. Heads are going to roll. <laughs> you can see, I like it. As soon as he says Miss Grisham, you can see Nicky just go to uh, to say, but then he gets interrupted. And he waits right until the end of what he's saying about how his staff are terrified and it's going to cost thousands of pounds and the gold's gone. And then Nicky just chooses that moment to go, uh, 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 actually, she's married. I would have decked him. Absolutely decked him. What a weird thing to do. So, the, apparently, that thing we saw before... Well, I think that's what we saw before, is a pedestrian subway, which Dukan says he knows nothing about, but how? <laughs> we may have stood a better chance of preventing this if you'd mentioned to me that you had some sort of pedestrian subway conveniently located next door to the vault. I didn't know anything about it. They must have dismantled the wall from the other side, brick by brick. So where were you? You were supposed to be watching this place. I could have been killed. 
I mean, Jeff's quite right. That is a security flaw. Yeah. However, Jeff is trying to also get himself out of the situation a little bit that, you know, I was queuing behind an old lady to phone <laughs> someone about the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also very suspicious of Dukan because he was knocked out by the bank robbers. Mm-hmm. Jeff seems to question that. Well, hopefully we'll get some answers. Fingers crossed. At that point, Morris comes in. Slade, you wanted, as normal. It's Grisham. She's annoyed. But Grisham's pretty annoyed in every single scene we ever see her in. And so she knows that he's left, and he left to use the phone. Because yeah, Morris, Morris is a grass. Yeah. yeah. Dirty, rotten, um, stinking grass. Which has annoyed Slade a bit. Um, but Morris is just doing his job there. Yeah, because he's um, getting in trouble as well. It's, it was his stakeout as well. Yeah. Um, and, and Grisham just thinks Jeff does not care. Um, which... He does care. He just wants to play the lottery, though. Yeah. It's probably an 80-20 split, to be honest. It's your attitude that makes the difference, Slade. You just don't care, do you? Yes, I do. I do! Well, it doesn't make any difference now, anyway. I'm off the case. And by the time the Commissioner's finished with me, I'll be off the force as well. What? He wants to see me this evening, 7.30 in my office. He's not going to fire you. Well, what do you think he's going to do? Promote me? This wasn't your fault. It was my call. I mean, she's actually quite sad, isn't she? Yeah. I'm worried, obviously. She put the neck on the line, and it's her fault for trusting Jeff, to be honest. Um, it's backfired. <laughs> she's going to lose her job. <sighs> so, Sissons wasn't actually physically part of the theft? No, he's not part of the, the threesome, is he? And they know because they've got him under surveillance, but it's all his work. He's sort of like masterminding it. Oh, yeah. He's the one doing it all. So, to save the reputation, they need to at least find the gold. Easy. Before we get to that, Charlie... Woo! Charlie's back. He goes to give Holly the letter at the police station, but he gets a phone call from his wife. Hello? Yeah? And we get that incidental music, don't we? It's a really nice little touch. I've just... Oh, there she is. Oh, Charlie's mister. Oh, mm. this is never happening. Cut to Slade et al. outside. So yeah, this hold all comes back up again. This one with the hold all that he tried to follow. In that, even if the gold was in that, it would have weighed a ton as a figure of speech. I just don't understand it, Chief. They're only just ahead of me. They must have known we had the place around. We had officers everywhere. Did you set up that roadblock? Of course. And how did they get away with the gold? How did they move so fast? They must have weighed a ton. Actually, the standard gold bar weighs 400 fine troy ounces. If there were 30 of them, that would make it, what, 750 pounds? It's still impossible. <sighs> There's no such thing as a figure of speech with Nicky Robson around. This, this is a bit like your story earlier about the weight of gold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nicky's is more boring. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but well done, Richard Dempsey, for playing the character so infuriatingly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to the point where we want to punch him square in the jaw <laughs> at every opportunity. Not me. Not me. Love him. Uh. <laughs> so they've tracked down the, the car to a woman called... S Express. Did you check out the registration number? Yeah. Janine Palmer. It's a company car. I've got an address. Well, talk to her if you think it'll do any good. You know where to find me. Janine! And it was 
a company car. So it's uh, that's good. They can track it down. Mm. So oh, cut back. There's a lot of cutting back and forth. It's good. It's not great for like having to talk about it. <sighs> they cut back in. They cut back. Yeah, in. this is where we see Charlie trying to give a note to Holly, um, and Holly runs from him like he's got leprosy. She's running late. She's got hands full. Like, I've got, not got time. Not got time, Charlie. If someone was running at me with a letter for me, I would go, oh yeah, put it on top. But so no, Charlie does what you do, don't you? You tape it to a door. Yeah. Instead of just putting it under the door, <laughs> maybe a private, yeah. potentially confidential letter. So it takes it to the door. Brilliant. So there we go. Um, and that's the end of Charlie now. Forever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bye, Charlie. See you later. Bye. Hey, we've got a return of Nikki's mobile now. Yeah, lovely. He's charged it up this time. Lovely shot. And this was a better shot for me to be able to get judgment on what phone it was. Um, really. Oh, yeah, there's this close-up in there in Jeff's hand, yeah. Holly's gone, anyway. Frank answers the phone. No, oh, she's gone to her lectures, mate. She's lecturing some trainees. <laughs> I like that. Good impression. He says to try the car phone. Yeah. Holly's got a car phone because she's modern. Yeah, she's well modern, isn't she? So he does finally get in contact with her. Phew. And end credits. No. <laughs> Holly goes under a bridge. As we know with mobiles, you lose signal. Still not something they're fixed necessarily. Yeah. So that doesn't work. Anyway, we cut to Bellings Builders. Bellings. Bellings Builders. Mm. Which is the company that the company car belonged to. And we meet Jenny, who just looks like she's spaced out. Yeah. I went down the market. I didn't buy anything. I sometimes go on my lunch break. <sighs> you were carrying a large blue holdall. Yeah. Look, what is all this? Can I see it? I've got it here. Thank you. Jeff has a look and there's a little splash of white paint on the bottom, on the inside, but there's nothing in it. It's empty. Yeah, right. I can tell he's a policeman. Was it empty when you were at the market? I told you. I didn't buy anything. Jenny's very sarcastic. Yeah. She annoys me. Don't like her. She reminds me a bit of, um, was it Rodney's girlfriend in Only Force Horses? Yeah, oh, Cassandra, yeah. Cassandra. Yeah, yeah. She does the same, yeah. same hair, that very straight um, 90s hair and fringe. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And then immediately, Jeff just spies, <laughs> spies the fax machine. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, fax. Another favourite bit of mine. I don't know what sort of fax machine this is. I don't get a particularly good shot. Um, so I've not researched that. But yeah. So he, um, he gets given a bit of paper to write on it. Pla! And um, yeah, there we go. Job done. Fantastic. You know, uh, uh, unless, of course, there's no paper in the other end. Uh-oh. <laughs> Which case, useless. <laughs> yeah. So back to the case. <sighs> Jeff's just stolen that hold all to examine it. And he wonders whether gold bars leave a chemical trace and whether you can tell if any gold's been in it. Anyway, they're going to pass it to Holly and then Slade's eyes light up. Yes, a legitimate reason to go to Holly. Yes. We then see the bank robbers. Yeah, in a builder's van. Mm, so they are working at Bellings Builders. <laughs> We're builders now. They are worried that Jeff is too close. And they phone Sissons. They're talking to Sissons. He's just chilling out with a drink. Yep. Nice cup of drink. He's telling them, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Don't worry, Jerry. They must have just spotted the car. They've just fallen up leads, mate. 
ain't got nothing on you. Look, it's me they're interested in. Probably a couple of them outside in there. Listen, everything goes ahead exactly as planned. You need to find the details to me. Where I go, they're going to follow, and that's going to be right up the garden path. Right up the garden path. Well, you know what? Actually, this is the first time we see Mickey, isn't it? Yeah. And I did think, oh, I look a bit like that <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> With it, well, recently in the last few years, grew a beard for the first time, so I've got the beard like Mickey. Nothing wrong with a beard. Nope. All the greats have beards, it's fine. And then a couple of years ago, I decided to say goodbye to what little hair I had left and shave. But yeah, Mickey Sissons, I, I'm almost his doppelganger, who we'll meet later. <laughs> I would have done a better job than him anyway. So yeah, I did think, oh yeah, that is me now. I am Mickey. So Slade is at the Institute that Holly's doing a presentation at. Yep. He asks where the room she's given the seminar is. And to be fair, wow, that's really confusing. That would not be said. Good afternoon, sir. Hi. You've got a Holly Turner lecturing here today. Can you tell me what room she's in, please? Just one minute, sir. Ah, she's in 712. 712. Uh, where's that, please? Down the stairs along the corridor, then up two flights of stairs... Through the gallery, take a left, then three steps down by the lift, through the double doors, and it's at the end on your right. Right. Thank you. If you turn round in circles, go through a door, climb the staircase to Narnia, you'll meet Nicky, and then you'll come back on yourself, you throw yourself out the window, you jump across a few ledges, you love doing that, Jeff. you come back in the window, and then if you turn left and go upside down, you'll be on your face. <laughs> Um, interestingly, the receptionist woman here mm-hmm. is an actress called Xenia Merton, who was one of the main characters in Space 1999, which I don't know anything about, really. And she was in Doctor Who Marco Polo, Series 1 of Doctor Who. Was she? The first one that's completely missing. Yeah, she's a young girl in Marco Ooh. Polo who befriends Susan. But it got me thinking, we need to address the elephant in the room here, because... Xenia Merton is half Burmese, and as far as I'm aware, she is the only, I think, non-white actor in the entire series, including extras, people just in the background. Every single character, it really sort of stuck out to me. And, you know, I'm not one of these people who sort of chides people from the past for, you know, decisions they made or anything, but but what, what I'm saying is, it wouldn't happen now, would it? No, and, and I think it, um, I would imagine it probably institutionalised a little bit. You know, you've heard the stories um, and it, it just permeated throughout and I'm glad that it's changed. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with Doctor Who in the old days. I mean, all the, I mean there are obviously at least some people of um, ethnic, you know, what? Anyway, but you know, generally you've, you've got a lot of white people and you've got a lot of people darkening up in, in Doctor Who history and that's become a bit problematic and, you know, yeah, it, um, it, it has, and, and I'm glad it is, and I'm glad we're, we're finally speaking out. I think there's still a long way to go. Yeah, it's just it's a shame. But um, a little shout out to Xenia Merton, who died the other year, actually. No, but um, no, she's representing. So she gives him these long directions, and he runs off. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Brilliant. Holly's giving her presentation. <laughs> oh, boring slideshow. Yeah, but nobody looks interested. <laughs> Sorry. Just even thinking about it. 
<laughs> like with Holly's um, talk about time that she did, there's not enough to actually have to write anything scientific. Uh, DNA. So Jeff's going down the corridors trying to ask where this room is. He comes across a lady up a ladder. Excuse me, I'm looking for lecture room 712. Oh, sorry, I'm new here. I'm not really sure. Try to the okay. end of the corridor. Thank you. I've put Jeff slash Michael French hasn't got time for it. <laughs> I think it bleeds into reality. He's like, oh, fuck, it doesn't... It, right, yeah. Bye, see you later. I, I, do you think that's a Michael French decision as opposed to a Jeff Slade decision? But he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, bye, bye, bye. So he goes and runs. <laughs> runs down the corridor. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. So, just running around these corridors. <laughs> he's only gone and left the hold all upstairs, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, just leave it lying around, Jeff. On the floor, which triggers a bomb scare and the fire alarm goes off. There's a weird bit here where Holly kind of goes, that's the fire alarm. <laughs> like it's what she's been preparing for her whole life. Thanks, polymorphisms. And I think that's the fire alarm. So if you pack up your things, make your way out of the building in an orderly fashion. So that means Holly's boring lecture is cut short. So everyone files out. Oh, God. Well, I tell you what, the alarm's got to be more enjoyable than her shit lesson. I know. There we were like, thank God for that. So Jeff just misses her. He gets to the room. And this, I think, is my favourite shot. Of the, maybe of the series, I don't know. We, <laughs> we start, I don't know what the opposite of a crash zoom is. Yeah, it's not a crash zoom. It's like a, whatever it is. Crash zoom out. We start off on Jeff's face, yeah, and then zooming out <laughs> to this <laughs> to this empty hall. Not only that, but they've put a <laughs> put a sound effect on top of it, like an Edgar Wright movie, <laughs> just to really hammer home how empty it is. Amazing. So forget that. So he he goes back up, just saunters away with the bag. <laughs> Oh, yeah, left my bag. Right, see ya. Just leaves. <laughs> Love it. He hasn't twigged here, though, has he? Because remember, earlier on in the episode, Holly going, oh, yes, my seminar was cancelled right at the beginning. And he still hasn't kind of twigged to this stupid head. That was me. Oh, no, this isn't <laughs> working. You know. No, well, and it also it doesn't twig that the fact that she said, I haven't seen you all day. <laughs> no, that's true. It's um, very funny, actually, how it all comes together and, you know, he's affected that he's made it so that he can't find holly amazing okay and with jokes as well with funny things as well it's a real payoff so of course jeff goes back to work sees the letter on the door take this off so he goes into holly's office sees the whiteboard all rubbed out sees the fax machine out of paper and goes oh god all these things jeff has got to be thinking this isn't gonna work i am not gonna get this done so he puts the... What does he put the letter? On the side. Yeah. So she definitely sees it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he puts... So he puts the letter on the desk instead of just leaving things. Yes. Alone, he puts it on the desk where nothing can possibly go wrong. Slade. And then he's got to go and see Grisham. Where have you been? Banging my head against the brick wall, Chief. Oh, Chief. Well, I won't be that for much longer. The commissioner will be here in less than two hours. How long ago was it? 7.30. Same time as the lottery closes. Do I beg your pardon? Hmm? Oh, nothing. And then Jeff just says the word lottery out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Oh, it's the lottery. <laughs> the what? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Lottery. So, Morris has got a phone call. Chief, we may have got something. I, I just spoke to the surveillance team. Sissons is on the move. What? He slipped out of the side door and headed off on foot. They almost missed him. Could be a pickup. What if he knows we're on to him? Look, we've got to go after him, Chief. He's our only link with the gold. So they're after him. They're going. Mm. Meanwhile, Frank puts test tubes on the letter. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. Sissons has been spotted at a cafe. So they zoom off and then we have, we have stakeout number two in the car with added nose whistling from somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So looking at this little greasy spoon, they can see him at the table with his tea. But then we see an identically dressed man with a completely different head. Um, (laughs) Waiting in the wings. So basically, Sissons goes up to order another tea and then just goes slightly out of sight and then a new man walks in completely inconspicuously with a newspaper wrapped around his head, pretty much. (laughs) He's reading it so closely. It's a big paper, isn't it? Massive paper. So anyway, they don't notice because they're quite far away. Slade tries to spark up a conversation this time about, surprise, surprise, the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Did you ever play the lottery? No, not me. Waste of time. Complete waste of money. I've done it since it started. I haven't won anything. (laughs) Seven is my birthday. 28 is my age. 10 is the number of my flat. 31 was my scout number. My girlfriend's 33. And 40 is my lucky number. Thanks for sharing that with us, Morris. Thank you. (laughs) Again, this is more of a relationship that I wanted to see between these two. Because Morris, one, he has a funny line where he says, oh, it's a complete waste of money. I've played everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. It's exactly what he would do. And then he says his numbers that he picks and why. Slade was like... Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that boring conversation. But Rory sort of accepts it and laughs about it. <laughs> and there's a nice little moment between them. More of this, please, for series two. More of them kind of getting on like the way colleagues do. Yeah, you know? they can still be at odds because they can yeah. they can be competitive, but they should have a sense of uh, kinship. Yeah, a little bit. I agree. I think this was nice. But there's not really that much piss taking either between. It's not even the other extreme. It's just sort of like. Nothing. Yeah, I don't really, not interested in you. So, I'm back on lotterysearch.org mm-hmm. to find out exactly how much Morris would have won if he'd played right until today from the start. Yep. He would have won a total of £981. Yeah, that's good. And it would have only cost him £2,920. Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? I mean... His numbers are obviously better than uh, the ones that Jeff's trying to win with. They won twice as much. Ah, and get this, on the 11th of June, 1997, Morris won £71. Wow. So really, Morris is the winner here. Yeah. Good on you, Morris. £71. Marvellous. So he's got a system for these. He goes, seven is my birthday. (laughs) It's a part of your birthday, but what is it? Mental age, seven. Uh, no, his actual age, 28, which is depressing, isn't it? 
33 is his girlfriend's age, so... Cougar. Yeah, so we would have to change them every year, wouldn't we? (laughs) Yeah. Nicky said he's got a girlfriend. Morris has got a girlfriend. Grisham's got a husband. Yeah. It's literally only Slade and Holly that (laughs) haven't got anyone. (laughs) So, we see a graffiti yob, a hoodie, some spray painting on a wall. I don't know what he's drawing. Did you... I think it's a clock. Is it? Oh, right. God, I didn't even see that. Ah, maybe I'm completely wrong and we're seeing things. Oh. But I don't know. It's like it, a big perfume bottle or something. Regardless, it was being spray painted. And that triggers Jeff. Um, he goes into his Poirot moment. You know, some people say it's an art form. Graffiti. Urban art. Art form. Pull the other one. How do you call that? Art painting a load of bricks of course of course that's it what is the gold it's painting a load of bricks 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 jeff um oh i wish it had done that now (laughs) that would have been good (laughs) paint 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 brick 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 cafe 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 lottery 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 i know where the gold is (laughs) <laughs> so um, <laughs> they run into the cafe. Jeff is jumping out, going in, grabbing the newspaper. That's not Sissons. It is a completely different man. He looks like a surprise seal. What? <laughs> like he's been tangoed. <laughs> and then there's an open door to the back of the cafe. So he goes, oh, I know where he'll be. So they're off to Dukan. Where Sissons is. He is at the bank with the builders... Bellings Builders. They are removing the bricks to replace the wall. There was a moment earlier in the episode where it's very obvious that they're talking about the wall needing to be repaired. They're obviously repairing the wall, but actually they're taking the bricks away and out. But Slade's there. Need a hand with that? The guys roll in, the big boys. Sissons shoots. And they have a big fight. Everyone's fighting together and grabbing each other and stuff. Sissons escapes. Mm. Through the hole in the wall. <laughs> Jeff runs after him. There's lots of gunshots that shoot very close to Slade, but don't hit. I mean, Slade manages to get him, to jump him, mm. which is great. Wrestles him down because he runs out of bullets. Sisson runs out of bullets. Yeah, he gets him, trips him up. That's it, it's over. Arrests him. Done. Case solved. And then we have, I think, the absolute worst quip of the series. You know, you give rats a bad name. Doesn't really... Nobody called him a rat. No one's called him a rat. You give love a bad name. It was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? I thought, oh. Um, anyway, Jeff thinks, right, I've arrested Sissons now. Just got to go make a phone call. <laughs> So Holly's in the shower. She races out of the shower. And just as she gets to the phone, Jeff sees Nikki and hangs up. And I'm pretty sure she goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So nearly became X-rated. So he's realised time's running out and he can't get hold of Holly. So next best thing, Nikki. Yeah, reliable Nikki. Seven, you've got 25 minutes. Well, 25 minutes for what? Well, you just go around the corner to that news agent and buy me a lottery ticket. Is this a wind-up? 
No, it's not a wind-up. I'm just feeling lucky. Uh, you know that according to the official figures, the chances of actually getting the six numbers are 13,983,816 to one. I'm feeling very lucky. This is a good idea that he's had, because it perfectly explains why Holly doesn't know anything about it. But of course, Nicky's like, uh, actually, uh, the probability of the winning the lottery. Just go get the ticket. Just fucking buy the ticket. Are you sure you know where this news agent is? Yes. Oh, and Nicky, be very, very careful when you cross the road. When you're getting hit by a bus. Now, would that have been worth the experiment? Because he knows that every other thing he's tried has gone wrong, so there's a good chance that Nicky will get run over and die. <laughs> that would have been a darker turn, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I don't think it would haunt Jeff. I think he'd move on fast. Yeah. Morris wants to know where the gold is, anyway. Morris is just in the corner. Where's the gold? Under your nose, Morris. Literally. Well, not literally. Jeff, just, just tell us. Stop doing this. We need to know the answers now. But no, he's not going to give it all away just yet. So yes, we cut to Grisham signing her resignation letter. I'm looking very sad about it. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. The commissioner comes in, very angry, obviously. But who should enter but the man himself? Jeff Slade and his blue bag. Chief. Oh. Good evening, Commissioner. It worked out just like you said, Chief. Did it? Yeah. We've got Sissons, Janine Palmer and the other three downstairs. What, what, what are you talking about? The robbers, sir. And we've got the gold too. What? Where was it? Well, it was right in front of our eyes. When they knocked through into the storeroom from the tunnel, they left the white bricks all over the floor and they put the 30 gold bars in amongst them. But first of all, they painted them white to match. So Jeff gets the hold all and takes out a white brick. The bricks in the vault were white before. And what they've done is, instead of taking the gold away, they painted the gold bricks white and just left them mm. with the rubble of the other bricks, thinking no yep. one would notice. And then, the genius bit, they come in as a building company, clear it all away. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's why the bank manager slash managing director, they knocked him out because they painted the bars while they were there. So Grisham scratches the paint off with, is it a letter opener she's got? I think it's a letter opener. You don't really see it. Just At first I thought it was like a butter knife or something. It's gold. Yeah, she may as well be going, I know nothing about this. You know. <laughs> You've done very well, Slade. Oh, no, Chief. This one's all down to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm not sure I quite understand. Personally, I think it's perfect. The commissioner doesn't know what the hell's going on, but um, it doesn't matter. Fantastic. Fantastic solution. Grisham keeps her job. Everybody's happy. The resignation letter is very awkwardly shoved into the bin. It's like that's made of gold. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Uh, so, nice gesture. Because Holly did that in episode one. 
she did that for Slade, didn't she, when she found that knife? Yeah. She let Slade take the credit for that. Uh, so it's all wrapped up quite nicely. Jeff comes back in enough time. Way. Do you know what I've realised? In this episode, we never at any point see the other Jeff from the past. Because he's in his seminar, obviously. But anyway, he's back. Holly's desperate to know if it worked, what happened. As he goes back, he blows the machine up. He almost tries to just cover it up, doesn't he? Just go, I'm back. Oh, yeah, you go out there, Holly. <laughs> but no, Holly sees it. The laser refractor is broken. £200 plus VAT. Don't worry. You can buy a new one. Oh, sure. You can buy a hundred. You did it. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a slight change of plan. Go on. Well, I gave the numbers to Nicky and he did it for me. I couldn't contact you. Don't worry, it'll work out exactly as I said. He won't have done it. He'll have lost the ticket, the news agents will have been shot. He will have got stuck in the lift. Why are you such a pessimist? Because I know time. The laws of time. It won't let you cheat. Well, we'll see about that. Slade explains that it was Nicky, actually, that bought the ticket. But as soon as she mentions Nicky's name, it's like, nope, one away. Over. Done. But Jeff's like, no, you watch. If there's one person I can trust to do something anally correct. What? It's Nikki Robson. What would have been funny if she'd gone, did you not hear Nikki got run over? <laughs> Nikki died at exactly 29 minutes past seven. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to... Bed. They go to, to the- bed. I mean, they don't... They don't- Go and confirm. It's weird they sleep on it. I mean, I know he's tired. He's done a 50-hour day, but I mean, fair enough. But, I mean... It's still only half seven or whatever, isn't it? They could just ring up Nicky on his mobile. <laughs> yeah. could ring up Nicky or go around and just go, oh, yeah, right. have you got that thing? Can I check my numbers? Nope. See you in the morning. Jeff thinks everything is still going to be okay, even though he's been foiled time and time again as he's gone back. He's lived this. He has lived this, and he still can't accept it, but fine. So we cut to the next morning. Slade says he's going to talk about percentages tomorrow, about his cut of it. So they meet in the morning to find Nicky popping open a bottle of champagne. Congratulations, Slade. Those numbers, how did you know? See, told you. Oh, what's going on? He won the lottery. He gave me the numbers and he actually won. (laughs) So it has actually seemed to have worked. Yeah. And I was shocked. I thought, oh, actually, maybe they've done it. I was wrong to doubt Slade. There's a nice little sign that says, congratulations, Slade, written on an OHP with some OHP pens. It's brilliant. (laughs) Projected onto the back. There's party poppers going off. Everyone's bumming him. Like, not literally, but like, um, even Morris. He's going, oh, I always liked you, really. And I think he did. But then Slade's little quip back is, I've never liked you. (laughs) Which isn't very funny. It's not in the same spirit that Morris was doing it. So, yeah, they've got some champagne. Or is it? Yes. Yeah. <gasps> champagne all round. Uh, oh, actually, the uh, Illawarra Brut is a sparkling wine. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Chief. Cheers. Cheers, I still mate. haven't thanked you for all you did last night. Ah, oh, that's okay. It's okay. I like to bow out in style. Bow out? What do you mean? Well, I enjoy the job, Chief, but... Speaking as a millionaire, I don't think I'm going to be hanging around. Excuse me. I thought this was my money. You did this for me. 50-50. Excuse me. Excuse me, Slade. Now, did you say millionaire? That's right. I don't think it's going to be as much as that. Yeah. Six numbers. Six. 
something's up. Something's not right here. Yeah, so Slade's just about to do his farewell speech. <laughs> well, it was nice working with you all. I'm going now. But here we go. This is one of my actual favourite bits of the series. This twist. <sighs> Nikki read the numbers upside down. Yeah. Jeff has done a really stupid thing and he's wrote the numbers um, curved on the yeah. piece of paper. <laughs> I know, he did, he's been writing them like that all episode and that there is a reason that his twos are just like backwards S's. If he'd have just wrote some of these with some sharp edges yeah. rather than silly curved writing, it would have all been solved for him, wouldn't it? There we or are. Or write them in longhand. O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T. But then Nicky would have got hit by a bus. So, I, I mean... So it's probably a good job. Probably saved his life, that. So what, what what's happened is Nicky's put the numbers on upside down. And if you work it out, what that means is only four of those numbers are actually correct. Yes. So instead of 1, 6, 8, 11, 12, and 22, we have 1, 8, 9, 11, 21, and 22. Nikki. Oh, what is it? <clears throat> Please write them upside down. What? These were the winning numbers. He's read six and twelve as nine and twenty-one. <clears throat> Other than that, all the numbers stay the same. And I know they're explaining it to the viewer. It's just too much. It's like, yeah, we know what's happened. But it is great. You're quite right. Um, Jeff, does, <laughs> Jeff does this thing twice <laughs> when he finds out that the numbers are wrong. <laughs> and he goes, um, did you notice it? Where he goes, <laughs> Yeah. Twice. Like a car. Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was just four numbers. Go <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me have a look at it. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> Brilliant. So... Nicky's asked the news agents already and does his last actually of the episode. So exactly how much have I won then? Hard to say, but it could be as much as five hundred pounds. No, um, I asked a news agent and it's one hundred and eighty-six. One hundred and eighty-six. One hundred and eighty-six. About fourteen pounds less than a new laser refractor. <laughs> Uh, these numbers, by the way, they're quite low winners as well. The biggest win was 33 quid in 2008. So yeah, this laser refractor, that's going to cost about 200 quid anyway to replace. Do you know what? we Even in the times where we've recorded this previously and other podcasts and things that have talked about this episode, we've all come to the conclusion that Jeff had won. And that's sort of like, well, what's he moaning about? He has won. It has worked. Why is he sort of going, oh, forget it. But this thing about time knowing what he's up to, the machine broke as part of the experiment, didn't it? Yes. And so... Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah, wins the amount that it cost to... Yeah. So I think that should have been a little bit more on the nose, to be honest. I think that should have been flagged up a bit more. The fact that there's a prize to pay for this. And the fact is they haven't won it because the universe has balanced out. So I think that probably should have been the amount they won is exactly, you know, to the penny how much the thing well, costs. Um, I think after that, the should, it should have cut to the machine and it should have just gone, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Like that, just an echo through time. That would have been great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> really on the nose. <laughs> yeah, so there would have been, if he had tried it next week with numbers that weren't rotationally symmetrical, then something else would have gone wrong, wouldn't it? 
oh, Nikki died on the way to the newsagents. Now, I said, I've always said, that I never watched Crime Traveler and it passed me by. But I remember this bit being on. And I remember my parents going, oh, that's really clever, that. Oh, it's that upside down numbers. <laughs> yeah, so I saw that live as it was going out, which may be the only bit I ever saw. So that's the hook. That was the hook for everyone. Unfortunately, that was episode seven. So um, Yeah, <laughs> of eight. Yeah. Should have done that earlier, Anthony. Um, yeah. Should I drink this or should I pour it over your head? It's a great ending, though, isn't it? <laughs> Jeff grabs both of the sparkling wine glasses and pours them over his head to end the show. And it's a lovely ending. Everyone just goes, oh, Jeff, oh, what a character. No, <laughs> that's insane. As far as they're concerned, he's won on the lottery and his reaction is to pour two glasses of wine over his head at what is probably about half eight in the morning <laughs> of a work day. And Jeff's covered in... <laughs> Jeff's covered himself in wine. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's the kind of person that would just dry his clothes on a hand dryer. That'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I, I would imagine he'll enjoy smelling like that for the rest of the day. So that was the lottery experiment. And and you know what? It gripped from beginning to end. And I was back in 1997. Yeah. So much in there that, that just made sense and, and was a clear story. Fantastic. And a great performance by everyone, I think. Yeah. Really well written, clearly well directed. Um, some great effects, some great musical arrangements going on, um, some great acting going on, um, even Janine. And as you said, Anthony Horowitz said this was his favourite. Um, I understand why. Completely understand why it's my favourite. The humour, the humour was good in this. The balance was right. The action bits were action. They were great. There were some proper big explosions and gunshots. The robbers were scary. Yes. Time was running out for Jeff, so there was a jeopardy there. So there were multiple plot points as well, weren't there? Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of had that going on, but yeah. you had the whole lottery thing that, that Jeff was preoccupied with. Exactly, and that's, and the, just... that's the key. The like genuinely funny comedic trope of somebody trying to achieve something but being stopped at every turn you know by something else happening and only we know what that character is wanting to achieve and no one else can understand i mean can you imagine if this had been episode two yeah i mean that yeah yeah just that switch i think i think this should have gone earlier in the in the series definitely yeah Um, i know you're gonna want to get your your good stuff earlier in the series, just in case you get people that, that drop off, mm. as they do. You know, as the viewership drops, or drops and dwindles. Yeah. 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 Shame. Real shame. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the first series of anything, you, you're finding your feet a bit, and then you take what worked, and you put it into the next series. So there would have been a lot more humour, I'm hoping, like this. Clever ideas, bending the rules of time, things like that would have been cool. But, you know, until Big Finish pick it up, we'll never know. Yeah, so we've done episode seven, which means... Yes. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm so happy and sad at the same time. Very sad. We've got one more to do. I'll be sad to see the back of Jeff. So we finally... I mean, and when we say finally, we mean finally. Yeah, well. Because, yes, it's been a long time coming for us, really. But the final episode of Crime Traveller... Jeff Slade, 
and the Broken Crystal. The Broken Crystal. I'm intrigued. It's gone out on a low in terms of titles, but... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. So, as we always say, please send us some emails. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. You got any anything to say about Jeff? This is probably <laughs> our last chance. You're not going to get a chance to say anything more about Jeff. No, you'll uh, be shut down. You'll be mm. ignored. So um, obviously, we're still on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Email us at antandnickpressplay at gmail dot com. Um, and thank so maybe you draw to some everyone pictures who's... of Jeff. Yeah, we haven't had any fan art yet. I can't believe it. No, I thought that would have been I'd the easiest thing. Have a picture thing. of Michael French. Yeah, be great. Yeah, that'd be good. So. Goodbye from Anton Nick Press Pla. <laughs> See you next time. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>